Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Morning, Sarah. Hello, Rebecca. What's news in your world? We had a significant anniversary here at the Historical Society. Our collections manager, Erin, is officially a year and two-ish months at her job. I thought she was our archivist. Same thing. Oh, okay. (laughs) Archivist, collections manager. She's in charge of the old stuff. Musty dusties. (laughs) A rose by any other name. I don't smell her very often, so let's not go down that road. (laughs) We are not just over here sniffing people. Although the other day I did walk by saying, Yorick! And she's like, yes, I'm here. What happened? So you had to be there. It was funny at the time. Anyway, back to Erin. Happy anniversary, Erin. You've put up with us for a whole year. When she started her job, we sat her in front of the microphone for a podcast episode and uh, had her talk about herself and what she was anticipating from this job. And now we brought her back to get her true reaction of what it was like here at the museum and diving into this position. I think what I enjoyed most about listening to her uh, talking with Steve, who's the board member in charge of the gather committee at the moment, so works closest with her, is her confidence level and her comfort level in talking about the collection and working with the collection from I'm new here, don't mind me, to "Uh uh-uh, this is my turf, this is my project, this is, I know what I am doing. And just, it's so fun for me to see that growth in her over the year. And it's just a smiley, happy episode. And she makes me laugh. And it's so fun to see what Steve has done as well. Because being the chair of the Gather Committee, he has been coming in and helping as well. So shall we dive in? Yes, let's go for it. So we're here with Aaron McBrien, who is the Anoka County Historical Society's archivist. Hello. Yeah, hi, Erin. It's good (laughs) to have you here this morning. Yes, it's good to be here. I say that she's our new archivist, but uh, surprisingly to both of us, I think it's actually been a year. The last year has been a blur, I have to admit. Well, I think uh, the last couple of years have been a blur for everyone, no matter what we were doing. But (laughs) when we look specifically at your tenure here at ACHS... Uh, it really has been a blur. As I look around, it's amazing what's been accomplished just in the last 12 months and how much of that you've been able to drive. The sheer scale of the collection has has been the kind of thing where I, I feel like there's just always so much to do. So I, I don't entirely like remember all the things I do get done because I'm focusing on all the things that need to get done. <laughs> uh, how much of that, those, I guess the low hanging fruit or the early easy pickings were, were you able to get done and how many turned out to be bigger bites uh, than you I, thought they would be? 
I don't honestly remember the timelines I had a year ago. I, I know that um, some of the main things I wanted to accomplish were knocking out the backlog, which I was able to knock out about, I would say, 75% of it. Uh, there's still 25% of it left. Um, but and for our listeners, could we define backlog? Uh, I define the backlog as those donations which were brought in and kind of left sitting in the back room, uh, sometimes only for a couple months because, uh, because Audra, there, there was a span where Audra wasn't working here and I wasn't working here, so things kind of accumulated. Uh, but many of those things had been left over from way, way before Audra, and it was this question of, has this been donated? Has it already been brought into the collection? Uh, what is this? Who brought it here? How old is it? Um, and there was, there, there were, I think I, I did the math and there were a couple hundred things. Wow. Yeah. So I, I just want to make clear for our listeners that, uh, Audra was our previous archivist mm -hmm. and, the amount of work that we had for Aaron to do is by no means a reflection on the work that Audra did. No, definitely it, it not. It was a very large pile of yep. things to take care of. Uh, and despite Audra's best work over the, the five or so years that she was here, there was still a considerable pile left when Aaron came aboard. It's a reality of this particular kind of work where whenever it is I leave, there will still be an enormous list of things left undone, even if I were to work here for 30 years. It, it's definitely not a, re a reflection on Audra at all, because the only reason I was I was able to update the backlog and, and get more of it done was because she had established like a working location system and a working like a uh, a labeling system and all of these different systems that weren't there when she was hired. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I felt the need to, uh, no, to make sure that I, we're not casting any shade there. No, also, I agree. <laughs> when I think about the work that you've done this year, it may be that COVID, uh, you know, in a way has made things simpler in that the pressure of having uh, a fully open schedule, people in the museum every day, maybe having that schedule reduced somewhat has given you more time to sort of put your head down and work. Would you say that's been the case? Um, COVID's been going on the whole time I've been here. So so it's a hard thing for me to gauge, but I, I think just the fact that we, we have so much offered digitally um, and the fact that I think a good portion of people are staying home more and engaging with our digital stuff more. We recently crunched the numbers and we had like, 20,000 people visit digitally this year and uh, we we have the ability to like answer research requests at a distance has definitely allowed me to figure out my own schedule more I guess is, okay. is what I want to say uh, figure out like what is the priority and I need to actually do that first rather than having a physical person there being like I need you now which happens but sure. you know but that's liberating in a way. Yes. Yeah, it's nice because there there is a lot to do with the collection. So COVID, perhaps in some ways, by um, spurring us to do more digitally, perhaps made it easier for you to, to get the shovel into the pile and, <laughs> and reduce it somewhat. 
And I would say a 75% reduction in our backlog is an amazing accomplishment for 12 short months. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, you came in and then we backed a dump truck, the federal cartridge <laughs> dump truck, up to you and unloaded this enormous project in your lap. Oh, my God. Um, I've been uh, a member of the recreational shooting community for many, many years, and I have friends across the country who uh, who look at me and say, you live in Anoka? That's where federal cartridge is. I, I had a friend visit from Montana. He actually runs a a bullet store. He, oh, he, wow. He makes and sells cast lead bullets for obscure reloading <laughs> rounds and things like that. And he cool. visited me one time and he made a point of having me drive him past the federal cartridge factory <laughs> here in Anoka because it was sort of a, you know, like a pilgrimage. Yeah. I got uh, a tour inside actually. Oh, that would be so cool. It, it was wild. Yeah. I'll bet. It was very loud. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully for all the right reasons. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a plant. There's there's machinery all over the place. It can't not be loud. But but yeah, it was it was very interesting. Tell us a little bit about how that project has affected your work this past year. That project has been my work this past year. I'm gonna be honest. It it is enormous. Um, oh wow, uh, I did the math on how just how many photos we have i think we have approximately 25,000 photos just from federal cartridge which we are currently in the process of getting scanned and digitized wow yeah that's uh, a lot yep <laughs> and are these are these like official corporate publicity or, or Ooh, advertising it, photos or employee snapshots or it's everything it's it's uh we have everything from official marketing glamour shots of the pro of the uh of the products uh and the executives we have employee of the month headshots we have photos from uh different employee uh events that would be um different fun event like a sports day sticks out in my mind uh the 75th anniversary of federal cartridge all the different christmas celebrations which which is huge there i mean it is thousands of photos it's it's really something <laughs> that is I, I want to say amazing, and that word doesn't cover it. It is not <laughs> just amazing in terms of the treasure trove of historical information. Uh, it is amazing in terms of the volume of work that we dropped on you. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's um, it's it's twenty five thousand photos now. Mm -hmm. Like I and um, over the summer, two interns uh, went through all of the photos that were initially brought in and did all of the weeding on them, which means that we went through each photo individually and uh, took out any photos uh, from the potential collection that were uh, too many duplicates uh, or were such bad quality photos that you, you couldn't get any information from them mm -hmm. from the amount that we brought in, we cut out about half, 
uh, between half and a third of of how many photos we actually kept. So we're down to I don't know fifteen thousand. No, well, that's manageable. Uh, the twenty five thousand are the ones we kept. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mentioned that. It's all right. <laughs> and I should specify, too, that this is just the photographs. Yep. We're not talking about documentary um, archives. I have to ask you about this. I mean, this is Federal Cartridge's centennial. That's yep. the reason for this. Uh, did we give you any warning during the interview process that this bomb was going to be dropped? The last question of the written interview was... was like we have this upcoming collections project. Uh, this is the amount of work we think it is. It involves these things. How would you handle that? And I took what limited experience I had with working with large collections, uh, which was entirely in like a in an intern capacity, uh, not a leading the project capacity. And I did my best, and apparently my best was good enough. I don't think you guys fully understood just how much work went into this. I'm quite sure we did not. Yeah, which is understandable. It's kind of like renovating a house. Uh, you're always going to spend more money than than you think uh, you need to, and you're. it's always going to take more time. Every yeah. time you open a box, there's something yep. you didn't... And then all of a sudden there'd be more boxes and I'd be like, who brought these here? Um, <laughs> I find myself intrigued by the notion that we could take you and the two interns and throw you back in history 80 years. You could walk around the plant and say, hey, I saw you at the Christmas party. Oh, hey, yep. I saw you at the, mm -hmm. at the summer celebration or whatever, because yep. after 25,000 plus photos, all these people would start to look familiar. Oh yeah, and and it's simultaneously, it's like everyone blurs together, uh, but also you get a weird sense of deja vu, where it's like, if, if I was thrown back 80 years, I'd be looking around and I'd be like, I recognize all of you and I don't know who any of you are. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the interns were into that as well. It, it was very fun, honestly. Uh, I mean, the weeding gets to be a slog and you're just going through and going through and going through. But um, we we did a lot of work with the initial arrangement, which was going through all 25,000 of those photos that were left uh, and then deciding, OK, we need to order these chronologically. Essentially, we went by decade and we said, okay, sort all the photos that we either know or are pretty sure in the 1920s here, and we went all the way up through the early mm -hmm. 2000s. And it, it turns into a lot of detective work because you're going through and you're like, this person was in this photo that we know is from the 1950s and they're older in this one. How much older are they? Mm -hmm. Late like 50s, early 60s. Yeah, yeah, like, and also what do the clothes of the younger people around them look like? Because once you hit a certain age, you tend to just dress the same for the rest of your life. Yep. So you would see styles that look like they're out of the 1950s and you'd be like, okay, how old is this person and how are the younger people dressed? And that would gauge whether... You're still in the 1950s, whether you've moved into the 60s, the 70s, or the 80s. Uh, and we would sort along those lines. Mm -hmm. 
um, what the quality of the photograph looked like. Um, black and white photos are hard with that because that kind of like uh, technology was perfected fairly early with how to get like a really beautiful black and white photograph. Really sharp. Yeah. yeah. But like with color quality, it gets a lot easier because there's a particular kind of color quality that comes out of uh, photo development from the 60s versus the 70s versus the 80s yep. into the 90s and the 2000s. It, it's more reg regular uh, and it, it starts to become more uh, like those black and white photos where it's harder to pin. So it's less a question of how well you can decipher the details of the clothing and mm -hmm. more the quality of the photograph itself. It's a combination. Okay. And also looking at the uh, surrounding background, it's amazing how often someone's just got a calendar in the background. Yep. Uh, and we'd often use jeweler's loops or uh, uh, magnifying glasses. And we'd just mm -hmm. be peering in really close. And we'd be like, is that 67 or 69? You know, mm -hmm. and it'd be handed over to the other person. They're taking a look and they're like, that's got to be 67. So uh, there there are details you can find in those. I think um, this is some fascinating insight into how historians do their work. That's just some of the detective work that Aaron does on a daily basis to, to make sure that we know what we're looking at here uh, rather than just having this pile of historical stuff. That's how the yeah. stuff becomes the history and the pile becomes the archive. Yes, and it helps significant, like good uh, archival practice helps significantly with research. Uh, we sometimes get people who come in and make a joke of like, oh, are you the history expert? I'm not the history expert. I'm the organization expert. I can help you become the history expert because I can find things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, because uh, it's um, it's similar to the idea if if you have everything in one big basket, you aren't going to be able to find anything in particular. Uh, but if you have every individual thing in its own individual basket, you still can't find anything. So you you need to know uh, how many baskets to have, and how many things to put in those baskets, and how to label those baskets, and that's how you find things. In other words, what are the important features mm -hmm. of, a, a, I guess, of an artifact by which you should sort it and catalog it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you usually go off of time period, um, what people are connected to it. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a photograph or a document, what is the contents? We had uh, Maddie, who's on the gather committee. She came mm -hmm. over to volunteer yesterday, and I had her writing up descriptions for the folders full of federal photos and she put in details like this folder contains a lot of photos of people dressed up as ninja turtles for an event uh because there it was a big family event and it was in the 90s and okay. so a whole bunch of people were dressed up as ninja turtles for the kids uh or like a different folder she wrote like uh there are baby ducks in the in some of the photos in this folder because they had opened up a new building in the federal campus and there were a family of ducks living there and so they took care of the baby ducks and huh. you know those are very specific things but now that we have them in the record we'll always be able to find them right and so if you go into 
collective access and sort by ducks. There yep. you are. There's your federal cartridge. And ducks. then it pops up along with everything else that mentions ducks. Yep. Well, <laughs> you know? You never know. But that's less than all of the things. So <laughs> and they're very cute photos. That's, I'm, yes. Well, I would assume so. I mean, are... you know, there's all of these like <laughs> big plant guys just trying to kind of like gently ferry all of these ducklings away from the machinery. <laughs> One of the other interesting things that you've sort of alluded to here is the potential for things like the Federal Cartridge Collection of crowdsourcing information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been really excited to be able to do that more as we digitize more photos. And we're hoping to be able to do a, a couple things this year that will let people engage with uh, who who they recognize in photos and also who they recognize in film. Uh, we happen to digitize a reel of film that is a tour through the plant, uh, I think in the early to mid 60s. Um, and there's all of these women in like flowery aprons and big gloves and huge beehives just doing the ammunition process mm. uh, and like and like picking things out. And we plan on uh, showing that film uh in our upcoming exhibit in the next couple months and we're very excited for people to you know recognize their grandma <laughs> that would be about right yeah so we've talked uh, quite a bit about federal cartridge because that has obviously been the big rock in your jar of projects yep <laughs> um, clearly you still had some time for other things what else has been going on that's been fun or interesting or or just a distraction <laughs> From 25,000 photos of federal oh, employees. Man. Apart from the backlog, I've been starting to look into reprocessing certain collections uh, within our archive. Uh, one that I, I finished up about a month ago was uh, we had a selection of the papers of Robert Aylin. Um, okay. Yeah, who, he was the president of Federal Cartridge for... Uh, I think he was the vice president for a while, and then maybe he was the president. Some big mucky mucky. Yeah, he was also mayor, and he was also the head of the school board. Right. Um, That's a name I've been seeing around Anoka oh, since I yeah. was a little kid and never yep. really knew who he was. Yep. Right? Just one of those names. And we, we basically had uh, three boxes of his papers, and the papers were just thrown in. So I, I just decided to sit down and reprocess those. And now it takes up less space and uh, we actually know what's in it. And they're in folders where you can take out the folder and know where to put it back and can actually use them. And found an enormous amount of stuff having to do with his mayoral correspondence, his correspondence regarding the school board, uh, a little bit related to federal cartridge, and a lot about uh he was a he really hated fdr <laughs> he really hated fdr which was so funny uh and he really wanted robert taft to be president and <laughs> spoiler he wasn't <laughs> no yeah for those of you who haven't noted that in the past those papers are actually accessible and, and I'm hoping to get them cataloged in the next few months and then anyone can find them. I should mention that the difference between Aaron McBrien, professional archivist, <laughs> and most other people 
is that when confronted with a three boxes of random documents and an inaccurate list of the contents, <laughs> most of us put those on the highest shelf we can find and pretend they're not there. Erin <laughs> rolls her eyes, rubs her hands together, and proceeds to create an organized and indexed archive whereby anyone who wants to research Robert Allen or the history of mayors of Anoka or the history of people in Anoka who didn't like FDR <laughs> or whatever it turns out to be now have access to those documents in an organized and accessible form. And, um, and that is exactly why she's working for us and why we continue. <laughs> she hopes she continues to do so for the foreseeable future. So we still had space to work on some other projects like we fixed a, we fixed an old firearm. Yes. That was so much fun. That was so cool. You did a really good job with that. We have in the collection a, uh, a Civil War musket that belonged to a member of the 2nd Regiment of Minnesota Volunteer Infantry, which uh, was one of the regiments that went with General Sherman on his march to Atlanta and his march to the sea afterwards. And I don't know how this gentleman managed to bring his musket home from the war, but he did. A lot of soldiers did. I think the government just said, well, we have a lot of surplus. Let's sell them to these guys for a couple bucks a piece or whatever. And a lot of them made their way home. This musket made its way home, whereupon it proceeded to be neglected for the next <laughs> 150 years. And it's been in our collection. Um, one of the things that I am working on with Aaron or will be working on with Aaron is to get our military collection uh, better organized, mm -hmm. better preserved. Um, and this musket was in a pretty sad state of repair. It was rusty, the wood was dried out, um, and it really wasn't even in, in uh, much shape to display. We started it um, pre-COVID, took it apart, began to clean it all up, and then ran out of time the night we were doing it, and then COVID hit. <laughs> And there that Civil War musket sat in pieces here in the History Center for a year yeah, or more uh, before we finally decided that it was safe for everyone to come together and um, finish the cleaning process. Um, there had been something down the barrel. We thought it was loaded. We weren't sure. We got a uh, uh, one of those cameras on a long tube and stuff it down there and figured out it wasn't really loaded got the foreign object out of the barrel, um, gave the wood a good cleaning, and then uh, and got some old uh, labeling goo off of it, and then gave it a good coat of linseed oil, which would have been the period preservative that the wood was preserved in. And I wouldn't say it looks brand new because that's almost impossible with a, with a, a firearm that's almost two centuries old, but it certainly looks much better than it did and it's fit to be displayed now if we should ever come up on another Civil War display. It is on display. It is on display? Yeah, oh, fantastic. in the front case. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I'm very proud of it because I did the work. <laughs> um, it's kind of an area of expertise of mine is, um, is the physical artifacts of the Civil War era. And um, I was grateful that Aaron was willing to support that. And um, especially since I hung a wet, oily musket stock up in her back office for you know a couple of weeks on end while the linseed oil dried eh, <laughs> and, that's okay and she was uh, willing to flex her schedule to when i could come in to, to finish the cleaning and put it together but so what are we going to do in 2022 <laughs> other than more federal cartridge <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we're really making plans to do significant work on the John Arfstrom art collection. Okay. Um, we have a lot of things that, that came in in 2021 that I'm currently um, processing and putting through cataloging. We're getting a lot of his films digitized. Excellent. Uh, going to be doing a lot of work on that and then going to be continuing to try and reprocess different uh, older collections within the archive uh, like the like all of the weapons we have uh, the military collection yeah. which uh, I'm excited to get your help on and uh, I think another the next one I would like to tackle personally is the uh, Aldrich collection um, because they are I mean very important figures in the county's history and mm -hmm. Uh, their collection is a lot of boxes that have basically been untouched since they've gone in those boxes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do that. You think there might be another federal drunk truck that they haven't told us about? I yet? will riot. <laughs> I will riot. Well, that is, uh, get your riot gear ready. <laughs> I think you might never know what those folks might have in some way uh, they've know, forgotten about. I know. So, well, is there anything you'd like to tell us about in closing, Erin? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, uh, it's been a big year. Uh, feels like an 80s montage. Uh, I've just been living in an 80s montage. All right, well. uh, and it's very exciting and I've been very happy to be here. I think that's what I want to say. Erin McBrien, folks, a woman of few words and many file folders. I would not say few few words, but more file folders, more yes. More file folders. <laughs> we, are, we are grateful to have her, and uh, you are certainly welcome to come in and visit. Uh, wear a mask if you're in the History Center. Yep. She's got a lot to do, so don't do. take too much of her time. <laughs> but I'll tell you, if you do spend time with Erin, one of the first things you'll find is her enthusiasm um, not only for organizing the work, but for history in general and for the archives and for making sure that those archives are accessible to you yep. so that you can find the information that you want, the knowledge that you want, and the, the view into our past that those things give you. So that's really why we're all here. And Aaron, over the last year, has become an important and integral and central part of that work here at the Anoka County Historical Society. Aaron, thanks for spending time with us today. Uh, glad we had a little time to chat this morning. And um, I hope that all of our listeners enjoy this conversation. Yeah, I hope so too. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, my name is Diana Nurberg. I'm an adult services librarian at the Northtown branch of the Anoka County Library, here to offer you up some great resources related to work. Finding work you love. Three Steps to Getting Your Perfect Job After College by Kirk Snyder. This book by University of Southern California professor Kirk Snyder is based on his top-rated course he teaches to graduates and undergraduates. His three-step system offers pragmatic steps to help people learn about themselves and match their passions and personalities with a company or field they will do well in. Next, we have Connect First. 52 Simple Ways to Ignite Success, Meaning, and Joy at Work by Melanie Katzman. While this book focuses on work environments, it's really a book that could be useful for anyone who wants to deepen their interpersonal relationships. 
Dr. Melanie Katzman teaches her readers how to human while at work. Using lots of anecdotes as well as psychological theories to ground them in academia, the reader is shown the path to building trusting work relationships. Next, we have Ask a Manager, How to Navigate Clueless Colleagues, Lunch-Stealing Bosses, and the Rest of Your Life at Work by Allison Green. Workplace advice columnist Allison Green has compiled in this book a host of workplace situations that range from slightly awkward to downright mortifying. Regardless of the awkward factor, quality advice is offered up for all scenarios to help you get through your work life. Next, we have Joy at Work, Organizing Your Professional Life by Marie Kondo and Scott Sonenshine. From the author who sparked a decluttering revolution in homes everywhere with her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, comes a similar guide geared toward the workplace. While tackling how to deal with piles of stuff, both on your desk and on your desktop, Kondo and organizational psychologist Scott Sonenshine also tackle tidying your time, decisions, networks, meetings, and more. Finally, I want to tell you about an online resource the library has called LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn Learning is an online resource available to Anoka County Library cardholders that compiles video tutorials related to a multitude of business, technical, and creative skills. I hope you find these resources useful and entertaining. Until next time, happy learning! Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anokacountyhistory.org. Well, that was fun. An 80s montage. What would your 80s montage look like? My 80s montage would be uh, the music from Real Genius with Val Kilmer. (laughs) That works. I did a lot of roller skating in the 80s. That's the only way I know any music. And for those who know that movie, that explains a lot about me. But uh, I have really enjoyed working with Aaron this past year. One of my favorite things is I never quite know what her workspace is going to look like. She has acquired these tables and desk pieces. And every couple of months, she gets everything off of the tables and moves it around. And I come in and everything is a new configuration. It's like Tetris back there. She keeps changing her energy flow. Nothing settles to the bottom, so it can't be forgotten. That is one of the things that I appreciate about her, because I am a piler for anybody who knows. And generally, the piles just grow until they start to wobble a bit. And then I scoot it down the desk a little bit, start a new one, build that one till it wobbles a bit and scoot it down and start a new one. And pretty soon, the pile just falls off the end of the desk into the trash can. And I figure if I haven't rescued it by then, eh, it's all good. It's not that bad. That might be a bit of a caricature of my life. (laughs) We all have our ways. You know, and we do have all of our ways. And so adding a new person into the ways is tricky and definitely a search for the right person to fit in to the quirkiness that is the Anoka County Historical Society. And bless Erin for doing it as gracefully as she has. She fits very nicely. And we will soon be adding another human to our mix as we're looking for a development specialist. Uh, We're actually in the process of doing those interviews right now. So stay tuned for yet another voice. And another podcast episode whenever we meet that new person.
Dun, dun, dun. It'll be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to whomever this person is. Uh, we've had some good candidates and they've all been very excited and thoughtful in their answers to our written interview. So we will let you know, people. And with that, I shall bid you adieu for adieu. another episode. To you and you and you. I was singing it in my head too, yes. <laughs> See you next time. Bye, everyone. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future. <laughs>